welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Welcome to the show. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well as well. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. So I'd like to start by asking how you describe yourself and what you do. Well, I'm I'm now a full-time writer. I uh, was an economist for a number of years, uh, for about 15 years. And I started writing full-time about two years ago. And... It was in 2013 that um, I kind of experimenting, writing stories, mm-hmm. and I just really, really enjoyed it, and I decided a couple of years ago that this is what I want to do with the rest of my life, so that's what I'm doing now. That's wonderful. So that's congratulations, being being a full-time writer now. How, how long in your, let's say, writing career did it take you to become a full-time writer? Uh, well, I, my, my first... I'd say completed polished short story was written in 2013. Okay. And um, as most writers will tell you, it's a very um, painful process. And I spent time, you know, three, four years just kind of experimenting, teach myself how to write in 13. And I think there's a First, start writing. There's this natural inclination to write in first person. I think it just comes more naturally. It flows better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think to really develop yourself as a writer, you have to go beyond that, move beyond that, and try things, different things. Uh, I think uh, for readers out there who will be reading my novella, you'll see that there is a lot of experimentation going on in that. Sure. So, okay, so you started writing short stories in 2013. What initially got you into writing? Well, it's kind of a long story. I actually, uh, it's been 25, roughly 25 years now. Mm-hmm. I was um, at the University of Virginia, and I decided to major in English. And about six months into my um, English studies, I started asking myself, what the hell am I going to do with this? And I decided to double major mm-hmm. and became an English and economics uh, double major. And um, I've never lost that that passion, that interest. And I, th- I think kind of in the back of my mind for a number of years, um, I you know, was eventually going to kind of set my mind to it and start writing. And I finally did that in 2013. Mm-hmm. Well, great. So, okay, so English major in, in economics, that, that's a very interesting mix. Um, what made you interested in studying economics? I think it was mostly the theory. And unfortunately, once I got into, um, you know, actual economics and let's see, 1997, I think it was my first job in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of under the impression, I was led to believe that it was going to be a very academic 
academically oriented, and it didn't turn out to be that. But I think that's what was attracting me initially when I was an undergrad. Um, there was just something there was something intriguing about economic theory, and I was into reading, um, you know, Keynesian economic theory and, and things like that. Bizarrely. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. So, um, so could you talk a little bit then about your 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 writing price your sorry your writing process, um, especially since you've you know kind of twitched twisted it a little bit and changed a little bit since 2013. How or it has it has your background economics affected or or influenced your writing in any kind of way? I think so. Yes. I've I, I just you can probably hear in, in the way I speak and how I answer questions. I'm very careful about what I say and how I say it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of affects my speech patterns, I think, a little bit. But I'm very analytical. And I think um, that sometimes will come through in the writing, uh, especially true if I'm writing narrative essays, academic essays. Uh, I just, about six weeks ago, I finished writing an essay about Bakhtin and Dostoevsky. Uh, and I think a huge difference between uh, kind of how I would approach something like that versus how I would approach a short story and how I would approach a narrative essay. Right. I think you use different parts of your brain to do each of those things. Yeah. So, so let's talk about then your process for a, a, a short story. Um, where do your, your ideas and inspirations come from? Well, I think... Early on, in 2013, I was trying to mine my personal life, things that I thought uh, would make for good dramatization. And so I think, I think for most of that's true. You start with your own personal experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think in the last couple of years, uh, I'm running out of things to mine for my own life, for one thing. Um, and now that I'm running full-time, my life has become, ironically, less interesting. Um, and so I think... I'm having more and more to have to make things up to become, to write um, things that are truly fictional. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways it's liberating to do that. You, you, know, you may start off with there's kind of this kernel of thing that relates to your own life. And then you just, you start, um, you, I think, I think I typically have some, kind of some end point in mind. Um, and I think that's what, kind of helps me to organize scenes like that, but it's become more and more, I think, fictional. Sure. Uh, could you talk about then, especially now that you're you're dealing more with straight fiction on, on writer's block, so uh, having to come up with, with new ideas all the time, do you suffer from writer's block? Or if you do, how do you push past that? I do, definitely. Uh, I think that, I mean, it sort of depends on where I'm in the project. Usually, you know, I'll, I'll be finishing something and I already have in mind something else I'm going to move on to afterward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in that case, it's really easy. You, you know, you, you've already been, you know, things been gestating for a while and, you know, you move on to that new project and they just kind of come, um, they start to flow. But there are times when um, a good example would be so when I was when I submitted the novella to Meg Wild, it was accepted in December, and um, there were parts of it that really were badly done and were rough, and um, those things were overlooked. And I think 
you know, basically running wild editors were, were saying, we really like the idea of this and the faith in me as a writer. And they thought that I could pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't hear from them again until May, I think it was, or late April. And I was already in the midst of another project. And so I was working on this short story. And I got an email from the editors from Running Wild saying, we want you to do um, these particular edits. And I had to drop what I was doing with this short story and turn to the novella. And when you have to do that, it's really hard. You know, you're, you're sort of going full steam working on something. And then you have to like switch gears and work on another project. And then eventually I had, once I finished the, the revisions to the novella, I had to go back to working on the short story. Mm-hmm. And I had trouble doing that. Um, I think all writers would experience similar things that you kind of get in a groove. And if you've got a, for whatever reason, things in your personal life or other projects you, um, you have to work on, suddenly you're faced with having to restart things. And I think, when you're in a situation like that, you just have to force yourself. Yeah. Um, other times when it's, it's truly like I can't figure out what I want to do next, it's kind of the things to do. I go for a hike. Um, I, I wait until something takes me, and eventually it does. Yeah. Ooh, wonderful. So could you then – so your, uh, your novella, Flesh to the Scalpel, was published recently in September. Could you talk a little bit more about – that story and and particularly what influenced you uh, to write it. Well, um, it is, I, I have to admit that it is loosely autobiographical. Like it started off as something that was based on my own personal experiences, um, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And in the process of doing revisions, though, it, like I said, it just took on a life of its own. And so it really um, resembles nothing like actual events that happen in my own life. And I think what um, what happened in in April. So I got this email from um, Lisa Kastner, the um, lead editor at Running Wild, and she suggested particular edits. And that kind of um, spurred this process where I was going back, and I ended up substantially revising even things that she wasn't telling me to do. Mm-hmm. I cut a lot of material, I add a lot of new material. And what happened was, so I, I structured it kind of like a three-act play, and the opening section begins um, in the protagonist's life about 10 years before he's actually doing the, the writing. And about like at the end of the the first section of the novella it's probably about five years into the story and he takes his um, then girlfriend to a concert at the Kennedy Center and it's a Beethoven concert Mm -hmm. and in the original writing I was just it was more like kind of summary and when I was doing the rewrites in, in April and May, it was occurring to me that this was like crucial to the piece. I needed to flesh it out. And I started expanding that section. And I started getting excited because it was really fun. And I started doing lots of reading of um, analyses of classical music. Mm-hmm. And that started triggering thoughts. And in that process, within like the next two to four weeks, uh, I basically kind of revamped the last two thirds, I'd say, of a novella, and it was very musically driven. 
um, just based on that that initial scene in the second section of the novella. Mm-hmm. That was a mouthful. But I hope I answered your question. Yeah, no, you definitely did. Thank you. That sounds very very interesting and exciting. So with that, how do you how do you know when a a piece is finished? When I start fretting over things like uh, over use of the word that and where I should put commas and because um, I usually I I write uh, recursively mm-hmm. and you know I'll go back to the beginning if I'm not happy with something if I'm struggling that's it's one of the ways I deal with writer's block. If you get to a section in a piece and you just can't figure out what you're going to do with it next, I go back to the beginning and I start just revising. So I go into like tutorial mode mm-hmm. and I work my way back through it. And then sometimes you, in that process, you get to the section you're struggling with and just suddenly like something gives, like the water breaks and um, things that you, you know, probably should have thought of before suddenly come to you and a scene starts to evolve. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Oh, great. So with with uh, the publishing of your last couple of works, how did you... So first off, how did you get your, your stories published? And how did you choose... Or what made you choose the particular... Like, what made you choose Running Wild Press and then also uh, Midwestern Gothic? Well, I think, I think in the course of the last six years since I started writing and I started heavily submitting probably about three years ago, I started to realize that you need to be much more targeted in, you know, the places you're submitting your pieces to. And so that, you know, often involves lots of, you know, reading of websites and, and getting a sense of, um, you know, back issues and what the magazines are doing. And, um, so the, the first piece that I got published a few years ago was with an Indian online magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of my pieces, because of some of my personal experiences, end up being set in South Asia. Uh, that's true. Of Bella. Um, and I think that kind of set things in motion. Uh, once you get published, editors are more willing to make a you know take a risk on you. And um, when I got to the point where I was submitting my novella two three years ago, I was looking for places that um, like to publish things that are dark. Uh, I would say my my novella is pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So with your with the evolution of your career, what would you say has been the best in, investment in your your writing that you have ever made? Uh, well, I think the novella, um, far and away, has I, I think it's likely to lead to other things. Mm-hmm. And one of the difficulties that I've been finding in trying to get published in, in literary magazines, and I'm sure all writers experience this, is just you, um, it's not a conspiracy, but in order to get accepted, um, you have to jump through a lot of hoops and, mm-hmm. you know, you have to um, not only be writing quality works, but you have to get to the point where the magazines are actually noticing you, and it's one of the things I've been I've been seeing in the last year or so. Um, a lot of magazines are they're clearly noticing my stuff, and I'm not just getting the forum rejections anymore. I'm getting personalized rejections, um, and it it sounds horrible, but it, it's a huge breakthrough. Yeah, because it's the stepping stone to you know something bigger and better. And I think getting into long form prose maybe a way of kind of circumnavigating some of that difficulty 
because it's more likely that it's best. And um, I think once you know people start talking and the piece starts circulating, um, it could lead to something else. That's my yeah. opinion. Oh, good. So could you talk about rejection then? Is it does it ever get easy? Uh, no. <laughs> or easier. And especially when you go, you know, weeks and months without an acceptance. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty demoralizing. Yeah. But I think, you know, the magazines, there, there are a lot of magazines that clearly have bad practices. It's, it's pretty obvious that they probably aren't even reading the stuff that you're submitting. And I think that's uh, the most painful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually don't mind when I get a... When I get a personalized rejection, it it's encouraging, you know. And uh, you know, a good example is so I there was a piece that I wrote about two and a half years ago, and it's still out there. I've submitted it now 37 times. It's been rejected 33 of the 37 times, <laughs> and three of those rejections were personalized. And the last one I got was about three days ago, and I think it's probably the nicest rejections I've ever received. It was from a magazine. It's a, like a, I won't name the magazine. It's a top-tier magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they clearly read the piece. They clearly liked it. And the way they framed it, um, I mean, not are they asking you know, to send more of your work because they're interested in what you're doing, but they're... I think they're trying to curry favor. They see that there is this great potential and, you know, they probably have in mind, like eventually this person is going to be somebody who we might want to, um, you know, be publishing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just from a, a writer's perspective, you know, there, there's some pieces that I, um, you know, short story 250 hours on and to get a curt two sentence form reject. Um, you know, you, you feel like, why, why, how am I going through this? I just, I spent all this time and it's clear that, you know, the magazines aren't even reading the stuff. And yet, you know, this rejection I got three days ago, uh, so it lifts your spirits and you're like, okay, I, I know why I'm doing this. Eventually, um, this particular piece is going to find the right, one, you know, just to be patient. Yeah. Do the in the rejection letters you receive, are there ever like direct critiques over sections you should maybe do, or you know, suggested edits, or is it pretty much you know we're uh, sorry about this? No, I think I've on occasion you might get one. Like there there was one uh, piece that was published by the Indian magazine a few years ago uh, when I first started. But I sent it to this Japanese magazine. Mm-hmm. And the editor sent me like a, a three paragraph rejection. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of unorthodox. You don't usually see that, but clearly they liked it, just not enough to publish it. Yeah. Uh, so he went through and he didn't actually say, you know, that they weren't suggesting revisions. They were just saying that, um, you know, different, different things that they liked about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's rare. Magazines don't have the time or interest to do that sort of thing. And so usually the, the personalized rejections you get will just have like a sentence or two. You know, not only are they saying, please send us more, we really like your stuff, but they might say something like, uh, 
like the, the it's strong voice or they really admired the, um, the, the detail and that sort of thing. Sure. So of the, the stories that you have published so far, what has been your f- uh, most favorite to write? I think the, no- the novella, I'd say. Um, the piece that was published by Midwestern Gothic or this year, it was an essay. Mm-hmm. And it was something that, you know, it was very, well, it was based on my relationship with my father. Um, and it took me a long, long time to kind of figure out structurally how I was going to uh, write that essay. And it ended up, I did something, I think, that was kind of innovative. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was painful. It took me I'd say, um, probably 200 hours to write that. And it's only 10 pages long. Uh, but I, I think I learned quite a bit from that, and it clearly was um, set a stage for something more substantial. And once I got to, to doing the revisions to the novella uh, for Running Wild this, this past spring, um, something just clicked, and things really came together. Like I think for the, the readers out there who look at the piece, they're going to see that... Um, it's interesting stylistically, but what, what makes it strong as a novella is just thematically all the different things that are going on. Um, it's pretty well tied together, you know, but that was, that was a learning process for me to get it to that point, And it took an awful lot of work. Yeah. Wonderful. So looking back at your career so far, what would you say has been the best advice you've ever received? That's a tough question. They're actually, it's something that I bemoan constantly because I have, I have conversations, um, occasionally with others and I've taken writing classes in the past mm-hmm. and there isn't any one particular piece of advice that sticks out in my mind, but one of the things that um, I will say that I've learned myself for the last um, two or three years is that if you're a novice writer, you're you're a serious writer, but you're you're just starting out. You have to accept the fact that you're not going to be able to write the kind of uh, piece that you want to write um, at the drop of. It's something that in- involves not just inspiration. I mean, there has to be the initial inspiration to write something in the first place. Mm-hmm. But what's really going to get you to the point where you have something that's publishable is the hard work. And, um, you know, what I said earlier is that some of the pieces I've written, you know, even eight to 10 page pieces can take, you know, 200, 250 hours. Yeah. And once, once you come to that realization as a writer, um, it just makes things so much more easy and less painful because you know that there are going to be times when you're just going to sit there staring at the blank page uh, for minutes, hours at a time, and it's okay. Like mm-hmm. eventually work through it. Um, and one of the things that's related to that is that oftentimes to get to the point where you actually feel comfortable doing the writing, you have to do some research. And one of the things that I, I talk about a lot with some of my friends is as a writer, you have to have access to language. Like there, there's no way I could have written um, certain parts of a novella the way I did mm-hmm. if I hadn't spent spent three weeks reading um, analyses about classical music, 
Like I just didn't have, I'm not a musician, right? This isn't something that I have ready access to through experience. So I had to basically learn that language. Um, the same was true even of some of the narrative essays that I write. You have to, you know, so um, this is kind of bizarre, but that story ended up being kind of a hunting story. Mm-hmm. And so I spent um, some time like reading hunting stories. And once I had that language down, I was able to write my own. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Excellent. Well, Jason, thank you so much time. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really thank appreciate you. it. If the uh, the listeners would like to read more of your writing uh, or or find out more about you, where is the best place they can go to do that? Uh, would be to uh, my author page on Amazon.com. Uh, it's got uh, some linked interviews and stories that are available free online, and then that sort of thing. Wonderful, excellent. Well, I will make sure I put a link in the show notes right to your author page so people can click right through. Excellent. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.